Welcome to Quills and Cliffhangers, the podcast that reviews the best of vintage and modern literature. Quills and Cliffhangers is produced by Steve's Book Decor, your resource for decorative book sets for home, office, and weddings. And now, the host of our program, Jane, our Director of Marketing, with today's show. Hello everyone. We have a rarely seen classic novel in stock, Joe's Boys by Louisa May Alcott. The author is famous for the first two books in her series, Little Women and Little Men. This story, set ten years after Little Men, completes the adventures of her beloved characters. This 1886 novel has been well-loved for generations, especially by families who have raised sons. I was delighted when I arrived at Chapter 3, for Miss Alcott gave her readers an extraordinary behind-the-scenes look at the price of fame and fortune. Like her heroine, Josephine, known as Joe, Miss Alcott endured years of financial hardship before achieving great success as an author. However, she likely did not expect the overwhelming outpouring of love from her fans and the relentless trampling of her privacy. The following book excerpt reminds me of Greta Garbo's forlorn statement. I never said, I want to be alone. I only said, I want to be let alone. There is all the difference. Here is the beginning of Chapter 3 of Joe's Boys by Louisa May Alcott. The March family had enjoyed a great many surprises in the course of their varied career, but the greatest of all was when the ugly duckling turned out to be not a swan, but a golden goose, whose literary eggs found such an unexpected market that in ten years Joe's wildest and most cherished dream actually came true. How or why it happened, she never clearly understood, but all of a sudden, she found herself famous in a small way, and better still, with a snug little fortune in her pocket to clear away the obstacles of the present and assure the future of her boys. It began during a bad year, when everything went wrong at Plumfield. Times were hard, the school dwindled. Joe overworked herself and had a long illness. Lori and Amy were abroad, and the Bayers too proud to ask help, even of those as near and dear as this generous pair. Confined to her room, Joe got desperate over the state of affairs till she fell back upon the long disused pen as the only thing she could do to help fill up the gaps in the income. A book for girls being wanted by a certain publisher, she hastily scribbled a little story describing a few scenes and adventures in the lives of herself and sisters, though boys were more in her line and with very slight hopes of success sent it out to seek its fortune.
things always went by contraries with Joe. Her first book labored over for years and launched full of the high hopes and ambitious dreams of youth foundered on its voyage, though the wreck continued to float long afterward to the profit of the publisher, at least. The hastily written story, sent away with no thought beyond the few dollars it might bring, sailed with a fair wind and a wise pilot at the helm into public favor, and came home heavily laden with an unexpected cargo of gold and glory. A more astonished woman probably never existed than Josephine Bayer when her little ship came into port with flags flying cannon that had been silent before, now booming gaily, and better than all, many kind faces rejoicing with her, many friendly hands grasping hers with cordial congratulations. After that, it was plain sailing, and she merely had to load her ships and send them off on prosperous trips to bring home stores of comfort for all she loved and labored for. The fame she never did quite accept for it takes very little fire to make a great deal of smoke nowadays, and notoriety is not real glory. The fortune she could not doubt and gratefully receive, though it was not half so large a one as a generous world purported it to be. The tide, having turned, continued to rise, and floated the family comfortably into a snug harbor where the older members could rest secure from storms, and whence the younger ones could launch their boats for the voyage of life. After the first surprise, incredulity, and joy which came to Joe with the ingratitude of human nature, she soon tired of renown and began to resent her loss of liberty, for suddenly the admiring public took possession of her and all her affairs, past, present, and to come. Strangers demanded to look at her, question, advise, warn, congratulate, and drive her out of her wits by well-meant but very wearisome attentions. If she declined to open her heart to them, they reproached her. If she refused to endow her pet charities, relieve private wants, or sympathize with every ill and trial known to humanity, she was called hard-hearted, selfish, and haughty. If she found it impossible to answer the piles of letters sent her, she was neglectful of her duty to the admiring public, and if she preferred the privacy of home to the pedestal upon which she was requested to pose, the heirs of literary people were freely criticized. A time came when her patience gave out, and wearying of being a lion, she became a bear, in nature as in name, and returning to her den, growled awfully when ordered out. Her family enjoyed the fun and had small sympathy with her trials, but Joe came to consider it the worst scrape of her life, for liberty had always been her dearest possession, and it seemed to be fast going from her. Living in a lantern soon loses its charm, and she was too old, too tired, and too busy to like it. 
She felt that she had done all that could reasonably be required of her when autographs, photographs, and autobiographical sketches had been sewn broadcast over the land. When artists had taken her home in all of its aspects, and reporters had taken her in the grim one she always assumed on these trying occasions, when a series of enthusiastic boarding schools had ravaged her grounds for trophies, and a steady stream of amiable pilgrims had worn her doorsteps with their respectful feet, when servants left after a week's trial of the bell that rang all day when her husband was forced to guard her at meals, and the boys to cover her retreat out of back windows on certain occasions when enterprising guests walked in unannounced at unfortunate moments. A sketch of one day may perhaps explain the state of things, offer some excuse for the unhappy woman, and give a hint to the autograph fiend now rampant in the land, for it is a true tale. Thanks for tuning in. On behalf of Steve's Book Decor, I look forward to visiting with you again. Until next time, remember to keep your nose in a book and your thoughts in the clouds. The Quills and Cliffhangers podcast is produced by Steve's Book Decor, sellers of fine collectible antique and vintage books. Our store is open 24-7 for your shopping convenience at www.stevesbookdecor.etsy.com.